0: we have lord Uh, we're grateful we get to do this god we're thankful for your word we're thankful that it's alive that it speaks to us lord i just pray today that we'd have ears to hear that you'd settle our hearts lord the distractions of this world the time of year uh heading into christmas there's so much going on lord i just pray that you just uh settle our hearts down for 40 minutes, and that we might be able to hear your voice this morning, Jesus. In your name, amen. It says this in Luke chapter 6. It says, It happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those that were with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests alone to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. If you turn with me to Matthew 15 for just one second, we're introduced here last week, we were introduced to to the uh, Pharisees who were a religious sect that took God's word. The scribes would would uh, copy God's word, and the Pharisees would take God's word, and they would uh, kind of give their interpretation, their law of what God's word meant. And so last week we talked about them. Today they, they show up again, and they're constantly, we're going to see them all through Jesus' ministry, criticizing Jesus, criticizing, criticizing first they're criticizing that Jesus healed someone then that their his disciples are eating and not fasting and he's criticizing they're criticizing and criticizing so now they they find a greater accusation that it's on the sabbath day so this is what Jesus says in Matthew 15 we're going to look at read a couple of verses here because these guys <clears throat> these guys made all these laws in fact on the sabbath day they, may, they have 23 chapters or 24 uh, chapters in the Mishnah all about how to keep Sabbath laws and how to keep those rules, what it meant uh, uh, to keep those rules, what a Sabbath is. Um, we're not going to look at those 34 chapters, but it, they, they created more of a burden than, uh, than a blessing, which was what the Sabbath was meant to be. It says this in verse one, then the scribes and Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your traditions? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. And he who curses your father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me, is a gift to God. Then he need not to honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. He says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, the people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. He says, listen, what you're doing, you're, you're trumping God's word by your traditions. You're adding to my word and making it say something that it doesn't. And then you're finding loopholes because it was to honor your father and mother. Part of that was to take care of them as they got older. And, and what these guys were saying, listen, my money, sorry, mom, sorry, dad, but my money, it's a gift to God. And I'd love to give some to you, but I've already promised this. This is in my service to the Lord. So I'll have to keep it. Sorry, and they would—they would, you know, jump through this. They would make this other law that would supersede God's law, and then they didn't have to help their mom or dad out uh, later in life. They'd be able to keep all their money. And Jesus is saying, "Listen, you are—you guys have have erred in what you're saying and what you're doing. You're making my word say something that it doesn't. And that's what they did uh, in in concerning the Sabbath. Turn to Matthew 23. I want to look at one more verse with you guys, one more little section. Matthew 23 says, Jesus spoke to the multitudes, in verse 1, and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat as judges. Therefore, whatever they tell you to do, observe, That observe and do, but do not according to their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one finger. But all their works they do to be seen by men. And then it says, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogue. They love the greetings in the marketplace and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. But you do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher, and that is Christ, and you are all brethren. Don't call anyone on earth father for one is your father, uh, and it's he who is in heaven. And don't be called teachers for one is your teacher he was the greatest among you. Let him be your servant. So Jesus is saying something about these guys that, that not only are they hypocrites and they make God's word say something, uh, that it doesn't. He's saying that they want to be seen by men and they lay heavy burdens on people and they themselves don't even lift them. They themselves don't even do what they're telling you to do. And, and, uh, the phylacteries, that they would have it, it, they take scriptures out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and you'd see these guys, these these uh, Pharisees. They'd walk down the streets, and they'd have uh, leather straps tied to a wooden box, and inside that box would be a scripture, part of God's law, on a scroll, and they would walk down the streets with all the word of God tied to their arms, and but they wouldn't keep them, and then they'd have these these big robes with a blue ribbon tied to the bottom, which, you know, the Bible in, in Leviticus, I think it is, says that this blue thing on the bottom of your robe is to remind you of God's word. So they would walk down the street with these huge robes and all these things tied to their arms. But people knew that they, who these people were. Like, these guys are not doing what they, they say. What they're telling us to do, they're not doing. And then when they would walk in the marketplace, they would bind up their robes So they wouldn't touch common people because if they would touch somebody in the marketplace, they would have to go home and they'd have to take a shower and wash their clothes because they felt like they were unclean. The very people they were afraid to touch were the very people that Jesus touched every time he saw them. Those were the people that Jesus came to seek. The Bible says he came to seek and to save the lost. So uh, and we're going to see that here. As Jesus begins to do things on the Sabbath day that for the Pharisees and the scribes, the people who copied the law of God, and the Sadducees, another religious group that interpreted God's law, Jesus is going to freak them out. He did whatever he wanted to do on the Sabbath day. Uh, and, And if you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, they're making a lot out of this. These couple verses. The fourth command in Exodus chapter 20, but as God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. These are the big ones, right? These are the Ten Commandments. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In six days you shall labor and do all your work, but in the seventh, seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your sons or your daughters or your male servants, your female servants, your cattle, your stranger who is within within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. <clears throat> so God is referencing to Moses, Genesis chapter 2. God worked six days, made the heavens and the earth, everything in them. The seventh day he hallowed it. He set it apart. He sanctified it. And and so, but between Genesis chapter two and Exodus chapter 16, you don't hear anything about the Sabbath. Genesis chapter six or Exodus 16 is when God tells the children of Israel to collect the manna that's on the ground. He says, listen, grab enough for the day. Don't grab too much, but just grab enough for the day. And on the sixth day, grab enough for the seventh day. That's the Sabbath. But you don't, from Abraham all the way to Moses and, and Exodus chapter 16, you don't hear anything about the Sabbath. And, but, and the Bible says, Exodus 16, Nehemiah 9, it's a sign of a covenant between God and the children of Israel. That seventh day is a sanctified day. It's a sign of a covenant between God and his people. And it's a day of rest. The Sabbath, it means rest. It means to cease from your work. It's like you work all week. Imagine what you guys do in a day. Imagine what Israel did in a day without a Kubota and without, you know, four wheelers and everything else. They're plowing the ground. They're doing all this work. And so God says, six days, work as hard as you can. On the seventh day, that's a day of rest. It's a day where you get refreshed, where you get recharged. It's really a gift to the children of Israel. It's a day to worship God, a, a day set apart where the people could get refreshed and encouraged. They would they would go to the synagogue eventually, and that would be the day that they would learn the Bible, they would fellowship, and it was just a complete day of rest. Right? Imagine that. All the things you do that that you know, you work, you clean, you cook, you you know, what do you do? To get rest. You go to sleep. Or maybe you have a meal, uh, but then you're thinking, "Oh my goodness, who's doing the dishes? Who's who's gonna?" Uh, then there's work after you eat, right? Uh, but this was a complete day of rest. And if you look up, Israel is still turning. You know, this stuff into a, a lot of a lot of work. Uh, if you look at kabad.org you can look up and see even today, the Orthodox Jews, they still, they won't make a phone call. They're supposed to keep their food warm. You know, uh, Friday night, they'll start warming food and, and, you know, because they can't do certain things on that day. Uh, Orthodox Jews, it was a day that became a burden. People didn't even know the law, the explanation of it uh, in their law. It was said that that if you had false teeth, you couldn't wear your false teeth. If you had a a, a wooden leg, you'd have to take that because you're bearing a burden. Uh, if you were, you couldn't take a bath on the Sabbath day because if water splashed out of the bathtub, you'd be tempted to wipe it up and then you'd be cleaning, you'd be mopping the bathroom floor or whatever. Uh, if you spit, you'd have to spit on a rock because if you spit on the ground and it create it would it would create a furrow you would be plowing or it would be mortar that you could make uh you know lay bricks with it was crazy what they thought and the burdens they were laying on people so people had to try to remember this stuff it was crazy and Jesus is like what are you doing it was a day of rest it was a day that was meant uh for you guys to rest to enjoy me and not to have to work. So the Pharisees were laying these heavy burdens on people. And, and uh, really, it was just a sign for the children of Israel, between them and God. This, kind of like the sign between Abraham and God. God gave Abraham a sign, and it was circumcision. God gave Moses a sign, uh, and it was the Sabbath day, really, and, and Jesus would ultimately say, listen, I'm giving you a new commandment in John chapter 13. Maybe replacing the one, because the Sabbath day is not a, a day for us to have to worship. Jesus changed that whole idea. When Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week, that was Sunday, right? And the women came first to the tomb, and they saw him, and they worshiped him. The first worship service you see on a Sunday morning. And then as Jesus traveled, you'll, we'll read it in Luke, on the road to Emmaus, he meets two men. And there he expounds the scripture, scriptures from Moses and the prophets. And it's your first expositional teaching. So Jesus is raised. You see a worship service. You see him teaching on the first day of the week. He gathers together with the disciples on the first day of the week. Thomas isn't there. And the next week, Jesus shows up and says, here, put your hand on my side, Thomas. Put your, your fingers in the wounds in my hand. You look at uh, Acts, or in, uh, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. That, that Pentecost means 50. It was 50 days after, there was Resurrection Sunday, but it meant uh, 50 days over after Passover, which is where Jesus is sacrificed. So it went Saturday, Saturday. It was seven Saturdays. And the following day, day 50, is a Sunday, right? So that's when Jesus gives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and, and the church is born. 3,000 people get saved in, in Acts chapter 2. And that is the, the, the new, I mean, we're celebrating on Sunday. It's a new, call it a tradition, uh, but it's a new sign. The sign Jesus gives is uh, communion. It's the sign of the new covenant but the new day that they worship, and it's not in place of the Sabbath. Hopefully I'm not confusing you too much, <laughs> but it's not, it, we, we're not under the Sabbath laws, like we don't worship on Saturday. We're not under the rules, the restrictions. Uh, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 14 to esteem every day alike, like every day we get to worship the Lord. There's some people who work on Sunday, so they go to church on Saturday night, or a Wednesday, or, you know, it, we're not under the Sabbath law. Sunday didn't replace the Sabbath. We're just not under the Sabbath law anymore. So, and Jesus changed all that. And you can follow along in, in Corinthians. Paul says, when you take up a, col- a collection, I think it's 1 Corinthians 16, when you take up a collection on the first day of the week, when you gather for worship, take up a collection. So when I come, for worship then you're not somebody is not up here preaching we need money we need money when Paul says when I come on Sunday then I'm not going to ask you for a collection I'm just going to share God's word with you right so it's a new day and Jesus in in breaking what he's doing is he's breaking off the religious system no longer is there going to be a uh, the priestly line. There's no Levites anymore, right? When God calls people into the ministry, we're going to see that in in uh, verse 12 as He calls the 12 apostles. He's not looking for Levites. He's changing that. When He calls pastors, He's not saying you need to be a Levite. He's looking for conduct. He's looking for character, not uh, not an Israelite. Okay. So God is breaking free. There's no sacrificial system. There's no Sabbath. There's no priestly line anymore. Jesus is doing away with that. That's the one thing that's going. And what's coming, because Jesus fulfills it all. He is the sacrifice. He is our high priest. He is our Sabbath rest, the Bible says in Hebrews. So, So they were worried. (laughs) <laughs> like, and, and who did the Pharisees confront? They f- confront not Jesus, they confront his disciples, not the one qualified to answer the question, but they question his disciples, like, hey, why are you doing what's not lawful? And they were probably freaking out. They're probably thinking, oh, I saw Jesus do it while we're walking along this path. He just grabbed some of the grain because what they were saying, by grabbing the grain, they were harvesting. And by rubbing it into their hand and they would blow off the chaff, they were winnowing the wheat and they were saying, man, you're breaking a lot of laws here. Even though that was totally allowed in God's law for somebody to come through and, and reap some of the harvest, you couldn't put a sickle to it, but you could, you could take some and eat it. Uh, and it was really meant for the poor. So they weren't breaking God's law in any way, but what they did, it was on the Sabbath. And, and they're like, man, you're, you're breaking these rules that we've made. And, and so Jesus steps in. Jesus answers. He probably looks back and sees the Pharisees saying, hey, what are you doing? Jesus turns around uh, and says, listen, if you want to talk to someone, you can talk to me, right? And he says, haven't you read this, what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? how he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those who were with him, which is not lawful for any, but the priests to eat. So he he gives them a picture. Listen, when David was hungry, he didn't just go through a field and pick some wheat that wasn't made into bread yet. Actually, David went in to uh, uh, Abimelech, the high priest, and says, hey, I'm on a journey here uh, I need some food Abimelech's like what well, wait a second how come you don't have any men with you and David's like yeah they're around the corner uh and where's your sword and he was really worried and David's like man the the king's the king uh his mission was was fast I had to get out of here and he's like all right well listen all I have is this bread that was only meant for the high priest and David's like I'll take it And he took this bread that was only meant for the high priest and he ate it. And Jesus is like, haven't you read? And that was something they prided themselves on, knowing the Bible and knowing the word of God, knowing the Old Testament. And it was, Jesus said that all the time. Haven't you read? Haven't you read? Uh, He asked Nicodemus, man, aren't you a teacher of the law? Don't you know this stuff? And and things that they would, you know why? Because it's possible to know the Bible, to know scriptures, to know the word, inside and out, and really miss the whole meaning of it? That's what Jesus is saying. You can miss the whole meaning of what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is trying to do, because he's come, the very people that they would avoid, Jesus came to seek. And he said, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one making the rules. So I'm not going to belabor the Pharisees and the Sabbath anymore. Now you guys know a little bit. Right. Jesus in Mark's account said this the Sabbath wasn't uh man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. That's the whole idea. It was meant to give you rest. And Jesus clears that up. Listen, it was meant for you. It was meant as a blessing, not to be a burden to you. So Mark's account says a little more. He says the priests defile uh every day. They do what's wrong because they serve that's the only day they serve. Uh at the greatest capacity. So verse six, it says this as it happened on another Sabbath. So Jesus is focusing on Sabbath series. I think he does seven mir- notable miracles on the Sabbath uh, for the Pharisees to see and that he entered into a synagogue and he taught and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath And that he might find accusation against them. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and he stood. And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around on them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other but they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Really amazing what these guys did, right? And Jesus warned in, in the last chapter about their mentality. Uh, back in chapter five, he spoke a parable and said, no one puts a piece of new garment on an old. Otherwise the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out doesn't match the old. Jesus warned them, listen, listen, you're, the way you're thinking and not changing the way you think, it's not going to fit with what I'm trying to tell you. It's going to tear. You're going to burst. You're not going to be able to take what I'm telling you. You need to be that new garment, a new a new piece. And he was, he was talking about their way of thought and their mentality uh, because they loved being the teachers. They didn't like to, other people to teach them. And so he goes into the Sabbath. He enters the synagogue. He's teaching. It doesn't say what Jesus is teaching. Uh, Psalm 107 says he sent forth his word and he healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Right? Maybe that's what Jesus was teaching uh, that day. But he noticed, Luke notices that there was a man whose right hand was withered. Luke says it's his right hand the other gospel writers they don't they just said he had a withered hand Luke he's a doctor he says it was his I know it was his right hand and the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal him on the sabbath and that they might find an accusation against him So, this guy goes into the Sabbath, he probably couldn't, or goes into the synagogue, he probably normally wouldn't go into the synagogue. Normally wasn't allowed, didn't feel welcome because he had a problem, an issue. And and many people believe that they let this guy in that day because they knew Jesus was going to focus on this guy, see this guy who had a need, who needed to be healed, had this problem maybe his whole life, his hand is withered. And it's his right hand. That's your dominant hand. It's hard to work without your right hand. Try to, you know, I had shoulder surgery uh, and it was hard to do anything without having my, I'm trying to brush my teeth. Like, how do you brush your teeth with your left hand? That's very difficult. Like doing things with your left. And this guy had to do everything. Probably one of the guys that, you know, you walk up to nowadays and they try to shake with their left hand. Like what, your left hand? Oh, we can't do that. It's not traditional. Right? What are we doing here? Shaking with the left hand. Well, this guy didn't have a right hand. And and the whole reason he's there, and this guy's got a problem, and he's used to putting out his left hand. That's his best foot. That's the best part of him. It's my left. But there was something severely broken in this guy. And Jesus sees it, and they know that if they bring Jesus, they, they bring this guy in and Jesus sees him, that Jesus is going to want to heal him and break the Sabbath law. You can't heal on, you can't do any work on the Sabbath day. That was in their mind. You could even imagine Jesus can heal a man, heal a a, a withered hand. And they're more worried about what what day of the week he's doing it on. Like, it's crazy, but that's what they're thinking. You know, you and I, if that was our relative or if that was us, we're like, we just got to get to Jesus. We need a touch. We need him to heal our hand. We need him to heal our heart. Our mind and they're worried no not Sunday you'll have to wait or not Saturday you'll have to wait till Sunday or do it on Friday a different day you can't and Jesus is probably anticipating he can't wait to see this guy. he can't wait to come face to face with this man because he knows he's got a problem right the way Jesus looks on this room and 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 anticipating you know what I want to tell them something this morning. I want them to know how much I love them. I see that part of them that's always got to be in their pocket or shoved in their coat or hidden that they can't tell anyone about, that they're ashamed of. And Jesus is just waiting and he wants to have this encounter with this guy. And he knows, it says he perceived their thoughts. He knows they're thinking, we're going to get on him when he he heals this guy. Because we know he's going to do it because he heals everybody that's hurting. He looks for people that are hurting the most. That's amazing, right? He looks at your life and my life. He saw me in my worst depravity, my lowest of my low, and and that's where Jesus met me. And that's what he's looking for. He goes to this synagogue, and he teaches. And there's the guy, and these scribes and Pharisees, these, these guys that would transcribe the word of God, the law, and the Pharisees that would interpret it, they're watching Jesus. Is he going to heal this guy? Because you know what? That's breaking law number chapter 32 verse, you know, and, and they're just they just want to get on him. And it says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, "Arise and stand up." And the guy stands up and he stood. And Jesus asked them. I'm going to ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or destroy? Jesus said, what do you think it's meant? What do you think we're doing here? You want to save a life or destroy it? Should we do good or do evil? Because there's no neutral ground. And, and it's getting them thinking, right? Jesus Jesus in Luke uh, I think it's chapter 12, we'll get there, 10 or 12, where he talks about uh, the the Good Samaritan. And the man, he says, this man was traveling on a road to Jericho, and he got robbed. He got beat half to death. He said, and, and uh, uh, a scribe or a Pharisee went by, and he went to the other side of the road. And then a Levite. And he went to the other side of the road, pretended like they didn't see that guy. Then it says, a Samaritan came by, and he saw the man, and he went right to him. It says he healed his wounds. He poured oil and wine on him and bandaged him. Then he took him to an inn, and he gave money to the innkeeper. And he says, if there's any more, keep this guy until he's healed. And if I owe you, next time I come through, I'll give you more money. Right? There's no, uh, was that the Sabbath day? Jesus came to heal, to seek and to save the lost. He looks at lives and thinks, I want to help you. Not a day of the week. It's right now. Should we do good or evil? And And they made the Sabbath evil, destroyed people, destroyed their faith because they made these rules and regulations that were so confusing. I don't know if you've ever gone to a church or church, and it, it's just, probably my, the first five verses got very confusing to you today, talking about the Sabbath. But if you've ever gone to church, and man, that was confusing. That does not make any sense. Because man gets their hands on God's word and changes it. And that's what the scribes and Pharisees, they were supposed to handle God's word and represent him, but they, they failed to do that and it was killing people, and they wanted—they they, wanted—they didn't care about this guy. They wanted to accuse Jesus, and he looked around at them all, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he did so, and it was restored whole as the other. I think Jesus, you know, this guy could have had, kept, kept both hands in his pocket, and when he says stretch out your hand, he could have put his left hand out and, and because he was embarrassed. I don't want anyone to see that part of me. I don't, want, I don't want anyone to know that's going on. I don't want anyone to know that that's happened to me. And Jesus is like, stretch forth your hand. You know what hand is bad. You know what's going on in your life. And the, and the man stretches out his right hand. Why? Because that was the one that was off, that was wrong, that was, that was messed up. Right? And God's looking at hearts today and your life, and he says, listen, just stretch it out. I already know what's tucked in that pocket. I already know what's messed up in your life. I already saw that. That's why I'm here. Because I want to heal it. I want to touch it. I want to make you whole. I don't care that it's the Sabbath day. That's the whole reason I came. I want to touch your life. Right? The man that the the the, the man, the man that was paralyzed, the whole reason Jesus talked about sins. And healing, number one, the, the number one thing Jesus wants to heal is your heart. That's the biggest problem with a life is it's separated from God by sin. So Jesus said, "What well, you know, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk. But Jesus, the number one thing he's worried about in people's lives, in people's life, is their sins. Because the Bible says your sin has separated you from your God. And Jesus came to die for those sins and to heal you and I. He sees what's going on. and and this guy, I don't know how long did it take him to stretch out his hand. Maybe he was like,, help. I, you know, some people some people it takes a little while before they realize, man, I was afraid to do that. I was afraid to come to the Lord. I was afraid to come to church. I was afraid whatever. I didn't know what would happen. I thought people would look down on me. I remember people telling me, I can't, I can't come to church. The whole church will cave in if I come. Right? That's because scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees have been telling them, you're a jerk. You're wicked. You're evil. You're, you're such a sinner. And, and the devil's been telling them that. And, they're, and But Jesus is like, no, I want you to come. I'm waiting for you to come. Jesus is waiting to meet this guy who knows if he's ever been at the synagogue since his hand was like that. And Jesus focuses on him. The same way he looks at every heart here, he focuses on your heart and your life and says, I want to restore it and make it whole. And when Jesus does that, it says they were filled with rage. And they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. They hated that. They did not want to see this guy healed, at least not on the Sabbath. Because they didn't care about people. They cared about themselves. And it says this in verse twelve, and we're gonna we're gonna end it here in, in probably verse 18 or 19. 16 maybe. It says, it came to pass in those days that he went out in the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. So Jesus goes and prays for an answer. He prays to God, and we're going to see that Jesus goes out and prays because he's, he's, he has a question he wa- that he needs an answer to. How do I move forward? What should I do, right? Do we go and pray to re- till re- to, until we receive an answer? I think sometimes we just throw some prayers up and just, all right, whatever happens from there, Lord. Jesus went out and prayed all night to God. And it says, and when it was day, he didn't take a nap. He went and he called his disciples to himself. So this whole group of people that were following him and from them, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. This group of people, this, these 12 men that would follow Jesus closely. They would be the closest. They would see Jesus, be around him for the next three years. And we're going to see they're the most diverse people you'll ever meet. Fishermen. He called Simon, who's he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and then Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, which became a traitor. Jesus calls, he's not looking for Levites. He's not looking for priests. He's looking for followers. He's looking for people that want to follow him closely. Are you willing to? And he picks the most diverse people. He picks a zealot, right? These people hated Rome. They would cause trouble, insurrections, riots, whatever, because they hated Rome. And he puts that guy with Matthew, a tax collector who was in cahoots with Rome, who was, people hated. Jews hated him in general, but zealots, that was like a target. Like they felt like uh, Matthew was a traitor to Israel because he partnered with Rome and overtaxed the people. And Jesus is able to bring these guys together. Jesus says this in, in, in John chapter 13. He says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, the love you have for each other. Jesus is able to take these 12 guys from all these diverse backgrounds and say, guess what? You're going to learn something from me. You're going to learn how to love and not to love the way you know. Jesus said, the new commandment I'm giving you is, is that you love the way you've been loved. You love other people the way I love you, right? And and so we come together at church and we learn to love. We learn to get along. We learn to forgive. We learn to forbear with each other. That's what God's called us to. And he cho- chooses these 12 guys, not because they're anything special. They're not the smartest guys. They're not the Jesus just chooses 12 guys. The one guy you got to worry about, Judas Iscariot. He became a traitor. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He loved the money. He was deceptive, was not honest. Jude says to keep yourself in the love of God, the book of Jude. Jesus' brother. Keep yourself in the love of God. He talks about all these people who depart. Depart. If you read the book of Jude, the angels didn't keep their first estate. Talks about all these people that don't. And then he says, listen, you need to keep yourself in the love of God. So you don't depart. Right? Because Judas, he couldn't, he was so close to Jesus. He saw every miracle. He heard every teaching. And what happened to him? Walked away walked away from the Lord completely, sold Jesus out. That's a scary thing, super scary. Peter says, to make your calling and election sure, if you do that, you'll never fall away. You need to keep walking with the Lord, right? Depending on him. So Jesus chooses these 12, these guys, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. Uh, Judas was the only guy. Uh, he's from Kerioth near Jerusalem. Judas Iscariot. It means from Kerioth. He's the only educated person that there is there, raised in Jerusalem, probably with a formal education. But Jesus didn't, didn't meet his expectations didn't do what he thought he would would do. And when he realized that Jesus came to die and not overthrow Rome, he turned his back on him. So we'll end there, and we'll finish the chapter next week. We'll finish the whole chapter. There's a lot of stuff in there Uh, the next chapter, or the rest of this chapter. So Lord, we're just so thankful, God, for your love. We're thankful, Lord, as I... See the man with a withered hand. <clears throat> I, I, I realize, Lord, and, and we realize, Lord, that we all have something withered that's in need of your touch and your healing, that you already see, that you're so aware of, God, and that you love us, uh, and you want to make us whole. You want to make our hearts whole, and you do that by forgiving our sin, God. I just pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that 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 maybe doesn't know you, or is hoping that no somebody doesn't find out about an area of their life or something going on, Lord. I pray that that they would stretch it out to you, not to me, not to that they could stretch out that area of their life to you, Lord, knowing that you want to heal and restore and touch and make whole. And so we just give you our lives. We thank you that we can worship you, Lord, and. For the truth of your word that that breathes life into us and clears out anything in our minds that that's not true uh any any pharisaical ways or uh, things that that aren't of you Lord we just thank you so much for your word Jesus in your name amen